Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Before I forget, see, the day's the 13th, so that'll be the 20th, the 27th. Um, in two weeks, on the 27th, several people have asked to be baptized. We're kind of been waiting for the right time. and um, So in two weeks, we'll have Sunday morning service just like always. Praise and worship like always. Sunday school, praise and worship, Sunday service just like always. After service, it'll take us just a moment to move these drums around, and underneath the drums is actually a baptism. The last time I filled up the water, I forgot to cut the heater on. It was mighty cold. People that got baptized that day, I'll never forget. It was about 68 degrees in the building, and that water felt like it was 38, especially when you come out of, back out of it, and that air condition hits you, but... I'll try to cut the. I'll try to remember to cut the heater on this time. So in two weeks, if you're listening online, um, be here in two weeks. Bring you a towel and um, no speedos. Just bring you some swim trunks and a t-shirt or whatever. Amen. All right. Well, we'll get into the word. I don't think I have any more. Now, so it seemed like I had something else on my mind, but it must not have been too important. But um, if you're new here with us, I want to tell you that we're a word-based church, and I preach the word. And regardless of what I see here, feel, uh, my experiences, bad experiences, your experiences, none of that changes the word of God. <clears throat> the word of God is just the same today as it was yesterday, from the beginning to the end. It's never changed. It's not going to change. Your bad experiences doesn't make the Word of God any less true. I've had bad experiences. Everybody in here has had bad experiences, some worse than others. <clears throat> Your bad experience does not change the Word of God. It didn't change the Word of God. The Word of God's the same. And I, 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 the Word of God is the most important thing. I've said before, we talk about prayer being important. <clears throat> Excuse me. Prayer is absolutely important, but you have to know some words so you'll know what to pray. What would you pray? What scripture would you stand on? Hey, uh, you know, if you sick, I'm praying and believing God for a healing. Well, what are you praying? Well, I'm just praying that He'll do something. You know, He'll He'll heal me. I know He can if He wants to. If He's able. If He's willing. No, you need a scripture. You need a scripture to stand on. Well, I've heard that scripture before. I don't know where it's at. You need the address. You need to know where it's at. Look it up. Find it. You need a scripture to stand on. And this is what I'm praying. This is the word of God. This word of God, it says in Isaiah, goes forth and doesn't return void. It accomplishes what it was sent to do. You need to know that word. So you can apply it to your life. You can stand on the Word. you got to have something to stand on. you got to be anchored and grounded on the Word, not on an opinion, not on what the news says, not on what any man says, on the Word of God. Can't be knocked off of it. I'm like a tree planted by the river. You, I'm not going to be uprooted. I'm not going to be easily uh, blown down, pulled up, torn down. <clears throat> I'm anchored on the Word of God, period. Get anchored on the Word of God. Now, when you preach the Word... You get accused of all kind of things, and you get called all kind of things. I know, because just in my five, uh, well, I've been preaching a lot longer than five years, but almost five years as a pastor, 
I've been called all sorts of things. And uh, I just don't, it's not going to change what I believe or what I preach. I've been called a Calvinist. I have no idea how I could be called a Calvinist. It's kind of silly, whatever. You want them full gospel preachers. We pass the snakes on second Sunday of every month, drink daily poison on the third. <laughs> First and fourth, though, you're safe. Well, I don't even know what that means. I mean, if you're not a full gospel preacher, what would you be, a half gospel preacher? You're one of them word of faith preachers. When the word of faith movement came out, I was just a little baby, probably still riding around in a car seat. But if you don't preach the word of faith, what do you do? You preach the word of fear, the word of doubt, the word of unbelief? <laughs> so yeah, I preach the word and I have faith in the word. So if me having faith in the word and preaching the word in faith makes you a word of faith preacher, then I'm a word of faith preacher. And I'm a full gospel preacher, guarantee it, because I do believe the whole gospel, not just half of it. But anyway, what we're talking about this morning is the word. And you need some word. And I've talked to some people over the past several weeks. It, it makes me proud. Um, proud for them. Proud that they're listening to the Word because they've told me things have gone on in their life and they, uh, that they were healed. I've heard lots of testimonies of people being healed because they went home and they stood on the Word and they applied the Word to their life. They didn't come down front and I didn't lay hands on them. I have nothing against that. I'll lay hands on you till hair rubs off your head, but you're going to have to receive it. Or we can just keep doing it till the hair is rubbed off your head. But you're going to have to receive it. <clears throat> but these people have learned the word. And they've gone home and they've applied the word to their lives and they've stood on it. And they haven't backed down. And uh, it does make me proud. I know they're listening. And it's important to listen. Amen? Now, we're going to talk about the parable of the sower today. And it's in Matthew, uh, Mark, and it's in Luke. I'm going to start in Luke. I'm going to go to Matthew and I'm going to end in Mark because I like all three of them. I want you to see some stuff out of all three of them. And... Um, Sowing seeds are important. I didn't look out my kitchen window in my backyard this morning expecting to see any type of a garden out there because I've not planted anything. I have, I have planted things before in the past. I look or go out there and check on it to see how it's going or to water it or do whatever. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Jackie has all these plants. They started off pretty small. Now it looks like the botanical gardens on the front porch. The back porch, flowers everywhere, and they're pretty, and they're growing, and they look nice. But it started with a seed. Um, she didn't just, it didn't just become a giant, big, blooming flower overnight. There was water and sun that had to be added. There had to be put into good dirt. A seed had to be planted. Amen? So what Jesus is talking about here in the parable of the sower and he speaks in parables, and this particular day he actually had ten different parables. If you go read all the ten parables and see how much he did, in one day it's exhausting just thinking about what all he did in a day. And so we'll just start right here in Luke, in the eighth chapter, in the fifth verse. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and it was trampled on, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell upon uh, the thorns, among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it, 
But others fell on good ground, sprang up, yielded a crop, hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears, let him hear. Then his disciples asked, What does this parable mean? He said, To you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And we'll get into this and uh, explain this a little more so we'll understand here. But this sower goes out and he's sowing seed. You see there he sows it. Some fell by the wayside, some on the rock, some on uh, the, the thorny ground, some in the good dirt. But I want you to see this, this, this is a man... Going out, and he's, he's sowing seed. He's throwing seed. Some's getting where it needs to be. Some's falling by the wayside. Some is over here on rocky ground, which means it's a slab of rock, and there may be just a little bit of dirt that's washed up or the wind's blown up or whatever, and some seeds got in there, but they didn't get any good root. And, but some got, into the, uh, some got into the good ground, and there was a harvest in return. I want you to know that the, the seed is the same seed. The same seed's going by the wayside. The same seed's going where it should go. The same seed's over here in the thorns. The same seed's right here in the rocky ground. It's the same seed that's a different soil. But it's the same seed. There's nothing wrong with the seed. There's something wrong with the soil. Where it lands is the problem. Y'all following me? So it's the same seed, different soil. And I want you to see here that the seed's the Word of God. The seed is the Word of God. What you're getting right now is a seed. When you read the Word of God, you're getting a seed. The seed is the Word of God. It's the incorruptible Word of God. The seed is the Word. Now, have you ever known anybody, or maybe you're one of those people? Well, I've certainly known people like this, and I've been one of these people. They hear the Word every week, but nothing changes. I mean, I, I used to look at other people and think, what in the world's wrong with you? You go to the same church as me. I didn't see myself as not changing, but as I reflect back in my life, uh, my very first pastor preacher that I can remember as a child, his name was Paul, and he was the pastor, Brother Paul. I don't remember one single thing. That's because I was a kid, and I wasn't paying any attention. The only thing I do remember is this one Sunday in particular, I was supposed to go fishing after church, and I was ready to go. You tell a kid we're going fishing after church, I'm just ready for church to be over. And I remember he dismissed. And I remember turning to the right. And he said, oh, 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 oh. sit back down. He made everybody sit back down and preach to us for another 30 minutes. And I'm thinking, dude, I'm ready to go fishing. Now, I remember that. Out of all the sermons, that's the one I remember. Then the, another pastor come along. His name was Kurt. And... Um, I remember a few. I remember about the foxes spoiling the vineyard. That one sticks out to me. But I don't really remember a whole lot, to be honest. I'm going to tell you why, because I wasn't paying attention. I was ready for church to be over. I was ready to split. I was just there because that's just what you do. You get up and go to church. That's the way I was taught. That's the way that's what Granny said to do. And that's what the kids did. That's what the grandkids did. And I was a grandkid, so you just get up and you go to church. What not listen to a thing. There's people sitting here this morning, you're not listening to a thing, you haven't been listening to a thing. How do I know? When I look around and there's flies having a party in your mouth because you're so sound asleep, you're not listening. (laughs) 
You know, when you lean all the way back and your mouth's wide open and you, there's some drool cup, you're, you're not, chances are you're probably not hearing me. I've done that too. Didn't hear a thing. Then Todd was the pastor. That's about time I really started listening. Shortly thereafter, I started listening and started paying a little bit more of attention. And uh, then a few years went by, and then I, did, then I really get started listening. I started paying attention. I moved from the back to the front. I sat up here on the very front row. I changed the way I dressed. I started wearing a suit. I just thought that's what you did. When you got serious, started living for the Lord, you needed to wear a suit. So I went out and bought me a suit, a couple of them, and I moved from nothing against y'all back rowers, but better chance of getting to heaven the closer you are to the front. But I moved to the front because I wanted to hear every word that was spoken. I wanted to hear it. I needed to hear it. I wanted to hear it. I wanted something. What changed was me. That word had been going forth for years. Whether I agreed with it or whether I didn't, I don't even know because I wasn't listening. But then I started listening. I wanted to hear it. I came on Wednesday. I came on Sunday. I worked out of town. I drove home from out of town just to be here on Wednesday to hear the word. Then I'd go back out of town. I wanted to hear it. So you could have went to church down there. Well, yeah, I could have, but that wasn't my church. This is my church. So I went here. I came here. I wanted to hear it. What changed was me. And uh, But I do know people that I look at and think, Nothing's changed. You've not changed one bit in 20 or 30 years that I've known you. I know people that's been in church are just as mean now as they were 20 years ago. They're just as stingy and greedy now as they were 20, 30 years ago. They wouldn't give you the thing. Wouldn't help a bit. Mean. I mean, probably the mean, most cantankerous, mean woman I've really ever known. I met her in church. went to church with her for a whole lot of years. I mean, just mean. She just woke up looking for a fight. Never changed one bit. Probably still ain't changed. But um, she's not in the crowd. She doesn't attend here. But I always thought, why is she like that? Why in the world is she like that? Why are they still like that? But I want to tell you why. The dirt, the soil, that seed's been going forth for years. There wasn't nothing wrong with the Word. There was something wrong with where that seed was landing. Because where that seed lands will determine the outcome. Amen? So I want you to think about your soul this morning. And sometimes you need to investigate the soul. Sometimes you go out and plant. Um, I've planted a whole lot of green fields in my life. I grew up doing it. As soon as I got probably about 13 or 14. Uh, they turned me loose on the tractor. This was down in South Alabama, Lowndes County, and, and just be out there bush hogging and uh, disking. And um, at that time, I had to sow the seed by hand. That's how I know how they did it. You're you slinging it by hand. But then we graduated, we got a spreader on the tractor, and then it just starts slinging seed, and it'll sling it everywhere. And some spills out when you're going down the road from one field to the other, and it's not, that seed's definitely not going where you need it to go. That seed's falling on some hard ground or to the wayside. And uh, sometimes fields wouldn't grow as well, and you had to get some soil samples. We'd get soil samples, we'd send them to Auburn, and they'd say, well, here's how much pounds of lime you need per acre. And then we'd buy lime, and you'd spread the lime, and what lime does is neutralizes the acid in the soil. And gets the soil ready, 
to receive the seed so it will produce the harvest. And so what, what the lime does is basically just reverses it. And um, so I guess what I'm saying is we need, some of us may need some lime added to the soil to get our soil ready. But I want you to think about your, so, your soil this morning and um, investigate the, your soil because as you see in this parable, the seed's the same. The only thing that changed was where the seed landed. Now, he says um, in the 8th verse, he says right here at the end of the 8th verse, he cried. I don't mean he broke down and started crying. He cried out with a loud voice. He says, if you have ears to hear, listen. Listen up. If you have ears, do you think anybody was in the crowd that didn't have any ears? A few people just out there with no ears. No, they had ears. He said, you need to use the ears you've got and you need to listen. And it's way deeper than just going into these ears, but it needs to go down into a different set of ears. Your spiritual ears. Because your human, natural, fleshly ears can't understand the things of God. It is, it's a little deeper than that. What's words that a man hates? Worse, maybe not worse than anything, but some of the words that I don't like to hear is your wife's talking to you and you're watching the game, you're watching the race, you're watching something on TV, and she's over there talking, and she's talking, and then she says, you're not listening to me. And then you say, yes, I am. The words you hate to hear is what I say. <laughs> then you're like, well, what you, I'll tell you exactly what you said. And you'll say a few things they said and make them think you was listening to you. But the fact of the matter is you weren't listening to them. You're watching the tide roll. <laughs> You're watching them get ready to miss another field goal or whatever. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You were listening, but you weren't listening. I could tell her what you said. Like, what did the preacher preach about today? Well, he preached, you know, he preached about uh, Jesus. I mean... But you, did, you were listening, but you weren't listening. You, by the time you got to your car and went up there to have arrows to meet your friends for lunch, you didn't forget what was said. You amended and everything. Ears to hear, let him hear. The kids went and got their, they went for their driving test, and they got there at 8 o'clock in the morning before 8, and they didn't get to take the test till about 3. You had to wait, so <clears throat> Jackie just took them driving all over Coleman. And they drove everywhere, and she said that, uh, she said, Seth was driving. She said, Seth, now you got to remember to do this. Okay, yeah, yeah. You got to remember to do this. You got to remember to do this. You remember to do this. And he said, why are you telling me all this now? We've been practicing driving for months, and you haven't told me any of these things, and you want to tell me right before I take the test. And she said, son, this is the exact same things I've been telling you for the past four or five months. He wasn't listening. He wasn't listening. You can do the same thing in church. You can be here. You're listening, but you're not listening. You're hearing, but you're not hearing. You following me? Amen. And then the disciple says, what's this parable mean? They ask him, what does this parable mean? Well, I've read that a bunch of times, but I saw that as a little bit, a little bit differently this morning. What does this parable mean? So they heard the parable the same as everybody else, but then they got off by themselves. They said, what does this mean? Tell us more. Like, explain it to us. We, we, we want more of this. I got to think about how many times have you guys, I know I have, been to a restaurant and you got, you ordered an appetizer. You went to Outback, you got 
a blooming onion or some of those uh, macaroni and cheese balls or so those french fries with the cheese and the bacon on them. It's the appetizer. But you're still going to get a steak and baked potato and salad and all that. That's what I do. But every now and then I'll go eat with somebody and go, I just want an appetizer. That's all you want, an appetizer? No, I need the appetizer and the whole meal. I want the whole thing. I remember going to Baumhauer's back when Baumhauer's wings was good, when it was, it might still be okay, but nothing was ever like the original. The original one was over there off Lakeshore, and it was good, and I had blackberry cobbler, and I would go get blackberry cobbler as my appetizer. I would eat it before the wings came. Because, you know, after you eat about five pounds of wings, and you're just, and the cobbler's just not as good. So I learned if you get the cobbler first, then it would taste it a lot better. But I got an appetizer in the meal. What I'm telling you is <clears throat> the best sermon you've ever heard, the best sermon that you've ever heard from your favorite preacher, hopefully it's me, but the best sermon you've ever heard, the best sermon I've ever preached in my life is nothing more than an appetizer. That's it. It is not the main course. It's not the entree. It's an appetizer. And if you want more, you know where you're going to find it? In the Word of God. You need to go to Jesus just like the disciples. I, I can't tell you but so much on a Sunday morning. This is an appetizer. If you want the entree, you're going to find the entree in the Word of God. That's where the steak and taters will be. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, the disciples wanted more than an appetizer. Tell us more. We need more. We've got to have some more. We want more. He said, to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it's been given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. In other words, they were there, their eyes were open, but they didn't understand it. And they were hearing, but they didn't understand. But they, were, they were listening, but they weren't listening. Now, we're going to jump over into uh, Matthew the 13th. So you take a look at that. Basically what that's saying is the crowds liked him. They liked him. They kept coming. They enjoyed his teachings, but they just didn't hear. And I have a large crowd of people. There's always going to be a small portion that actually hear it. There'll be a large portion that amen it and glory and hallelujah and clap and, and do different things. I've preached in places before that people were <clears throat> really um, vocal. Nothing wrong with that. But I, they amen so much they can't be hearing you because they amening over you preaching. But I'm going to tell you, now, I don't care how big the crowd is, there's always going to be just a small portion that actually hear that word. You need to be in the small portion. Just like the narrow gate. There's a broad one and a narrow one. The broad one's got a traffic jam. And the narrow one, there is no traffic. It's free sailing. <clears throat> now I want you to see right here in Matthew, the 13th chapter, and it's the exact same parable. His disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? Same thing they asked in Luke. I just like this, but a little more details. He answered, said to them, Because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and uh, he will have an abundance. <clears throat> That's us. Now, whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Now, uh, let me go on. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, 
nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you will see, but you will not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are you, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears they hear. For surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear. Well, you know what? We're blessed that we've heard what we've heard and seen what we've seen, that we've got this Word of God to go back to. But basically, the paraphrasing all that is these people came week after week. They came broken, busted, disgusted. They came bruised. They came sick. They came defeated. They refused to hear with their ears. They refused to see with their eyes. They refused to perceive with their hearts. And they left just the same as they came in. They didn't leave differently. They left the same week after week. They showed up broke and they left broke. They showed up sick and they left sick. And when you refuse to hear, to see, and perceive, let me tell you, that prevents him from fixing the problem. Amen. It does. Even though they continue to show up, and even though you continue to show up, show up for years, say, so, well, the Word's just not working. The Word's just not working. Well, the Word, it just doesn't seem to be working. Nothing's changing in my life. I mean, the, the message, it was an inspiring message, but nothing's changing. <clears throat> Do you think something's wrong with the Word? Or perhaps something's wrong with the soul? Perhaps something's wrong with the ears and the eyes and the heart. He says, if you hear, you get more. And if you don't hear, you lose. You know, you can come in here and lose it before you get back out there to your car. But you come in here, like I said, paying attention, wanting the Word of God. Hearts are ready to, to perceive, to receive. Ears are ready to hear. Eyes are ready to see. You know what? He says, what you have, then you're going to have in abundance. You're going to have even more. But if you don't, you're going to lose what you even have. Now, you need to get a hold of that. That's important. How you show up on Sunday morning is important. How you approach this Word of God. It, this isn't the book. This isn't the fairy tale. This is the Word of God that's alive. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Skip on down a few verses, and it says the Word became flesh and dwelt among them. That means the Word became alive and dwelt among them. I mean, it was alive, but the Word became, it walked around on legs. Its name was Jesus. He is the living Word of God. This book, is, this, these words in this book are alive. They're powerful. It's alive. It's a seed that's alive, ready to get into some dirt and grow. And we need to examine our soul. In Mark, the fourth chapter, he says to them, you don't understand this parable? How then will you understand any of the parables? That should jump out at you. Same thing applies to you and me. The Bible is full of parables, full of them. Full of them. Jesus spoke in parables. That's a truth. That's when he's telling a story that's alongside of truth, paralleling it. He's throwing the story out, paralleling the truth. He's speaking in parables. And he says here, my word is full of parables. But this one right here, if you can't get this one, how are you going to get any of the others? So that tells me we need to get this one. We need to understand this one. 
just so happens this parable is actually talking about the Word. Sowing the Word, and where's, who's the dirt? You and I are the dirt. Your heart is. So it's important. It says, the sower sows the Word. Now he's explaining the parable. <clears throat> he says, and these are the ones by the wayside where the Word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away what the Word was sown in their hearts. Satan came to steal the Word. To steal the word. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus Christ came that we'd have life and have it more abundantly. The thief comes to steal the word. He wants to steal the word because if you don't have the word, you don't have anything. You have nothing to stand on. You have nothing to build your life on. You have nothing to uh, add to your prayer. You have nothing to, what would you pray? We talked about that just when we opened up. But if he can come and steal that word from you, then you have nothing. That's what he wants to do, steal the word from you. He doesn't want it to get down in your heart and take root and start growing. He don't want that seed to flourish. <clears throat> he steals the word in all sorts of ways. I remember a girl here one time, younger than me, she said, my faith is growing. This is her words. She says, my faith is growing. Each week, my faith is growing. She says, today, I felt it growing. I literally felt it. She touched right here. And I said, that's good news. And then I went on down the hall. And I was thinking, she may not even know when she's touching it here. She may not even understood it. That's where it's growing, in the heart. And I thought, well, that is great. Well, she left that day, and someone told her, what you heard is just not true, that it's heresy and that all this stuff. And she never came back, and it saddens me because you know why? Satan stole the word. He used a human being to steal the word. He's not going to show up with pitchfork and horns at your house and come in there and steal it. He steals it lots of ways. But usually through a person. A person will say something, do something. He'll use a human being to steal the word from you. One time I was hunting in another place in Hell County. A man, a guy named Tommy. We went down there and we worked our tails off getting this land ready. And finally we planted uh, these fields and it was uh, coming up on bow season and um, we went down there you know before the season opened look around scout around a little bit and I ain't gonna get into all the details but <clears throat> hang some stands and <clears throat> wasn't nothing growing there wasn't a thing growing in that field I mean nothing it's as if you just went down there and disc it up and went home <clears throat> I mean there wasn't a thing growing and to this day, I still don't have any clue as to why. Nothing grew in that field. But we, we would say, somebody stole our seed. Somebody came while we left and stole the seed. Now, whether something ate it, I've heard of army worms, I've heard of all kinds of things. I don't know because it was two hours down that way and I was up here, so I wasn't watching my garden. I wasn't there keeping the weeds out and keeping the birds out and keeping the army worms out or whatever. I was here, <clears throat> but something stole Something stole my seed. Didn't a thing grow. That's what Satan wants. He wants to steal the word. He wants to steal the seed that's sown in your heart. It never fails. A fellow was here just the other day. He heard the word of God. I prayed for him, laid hands on him. He said he felt a little, he said it felt like a little electric shock went in him. And he said he left out of here feeling better with a little pep in his step. And he went home excited. He said about five, six o'clock, he was feeling absolutely miserable, worse than he did. Before we prayed, he called me. 
And uh, I didn't even have to say anything. He told me, here's what I did. He, I took that prayer cloth that Miss Lisa made up for us right there. He said, I took that cloth. He had a fever. He said, I started rubbing it on my head. I started rubbing that prayer cloth on my head. And then he said, I read all those scriptures and I claimed every one of them. I spoke them all. And he said that uh, his fever broke. And just shortly thereafter, he, all the symptoms left and he felt fine. He texted me the next day, said, I feel fine. I'm good. Takes uh, on a Tuesday. I'm good. I'm good. He didn't let the enemy steal the seed. He didn't let the enemy steal the word. You see how the enemy tries to get you? That didn't work. That old preacher prayed for me. That must not have worked. Now I feel worse than I did. <clears throat> Coming to steal your seed. Steal the word. Don't let him have your word. Those words are promises that belong to you. They belong to me. They belong to us. Amen. So when your green fields don't grow, you just go put out a big sack of corn. I think that's legal now. I haven't hunted in, in, in years. I have nothing against it, I can tell you. But I just, uh, it's really weird. The desire to get out of the bed, spend countless hours walking through the woods, finding the perfect acorn tree and the wind and setting my stand up and killing a deer and dragging it out and gutting it, skinning it, finding somebody that wants to meet because you don't have room for it. It's just not, it's not that much fun to me anymore. But at one time in my life, I lived for it. But uh, I don't know if I got older or if this word just more. I don't really know, but all I know is, man, y'all can have all them deer. Some people don't even know I used to hunt. But I learned a lot walking around the woods. Saw a lot, learned a lot, a lot more than I ever learned playing a video game. Newsflash. You can learn a lot of things out in the woods. See a lot of cool things. Nature's cool. Hey Amen. I was out there yesterday walking around in the woods. <clears throat> anyway, let's move forward. Verse, the 16th verse. So these likewise are the ones sown, uh, sown on stony ground, who when they heard the word immediately, they receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, once again, coming to steal the word, he's trying to get you off the word. It says, immediately they stumble. Now, they are, these are the ones song. Okay, let me get ahead of myself. Uh, immediately they stumble. <clears throat> let me tell you, I always say this. You've got to get rooted and grounded in the Word. You've got to get rooted and grounded in the Word. If you're not rooted and grounded in the Word, you, you're going to be easily plucked up. There were some trees growing out of the gutters. They had no depth. They were rooted and grounded in a gutter with this much old leaves and junk in it, and you just pull them right out. But you take the same pine tree and you put it in the ground and leave it, and it's going to grow, and it's going to get some roots growing. You've got to get rooted and grounded in, in the Word. You don't uh, go plant your seeds and then go out there the next day and dig the seed up to see if it's what's going on in there, and then put it back, and then go out the next day and dig it up. You've got to get it rooted. You've got to get it in the ground and got to get some roots established. My grandmother planted some tomato plants one time, and her being from the country, I'm talking about country 
barefoot, dirt road, outhouse, poor country. You'd think she had no better. But she bought her some tomato plants that come in the little plastic thing, and she just stuck the plastic thing and all on the ground. You remember that? I don't know why this thing's not growing. We did a little investigating. We didn't. But some others did some investigating and found out, well, yeah, they couldn't get any roots. They were stuck in that plastic thing. <laughs> Took them out, stuck them in there, BLT sandwiches all day. But they've got to get some depth. And uh, there's harvest times, such as planting fields. Uh, you're not going to go plant some wintertime grass in June. It's going to grow up and it's going to burn. It's not going to work. You have to plant at the right time of the year. Here shortly, there's going to be, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, pumpkins everywhere. Pumpkins. And you'll see in the news, there'll be a pumpkin big as me. Somebody's grown this big old pumpkin. But you know what? You're not going to get blackberries because that was back in June. I like blackberries. About the beginning of June right there, that's when you're going to go pick some blackberries. But you won't get a pumpkin because it's not the time for the harvest. Now, let's just say it's harvest time for a pumpkin. And we need a pumpkin. Well, you know what? If we go plant those pumpkin seeds right now, you're not getting a pumpkin. You're not. You can't go the night before harvest day and start planting some seeds and think you're going to go out there and have a harvest. Like I said before, you don't go plant your seed and go out the next day and start getting the corn out of there rooted and grounded. And you have to be ready, get it rooted and grounded. I know people, this happens all the time. And I say get better while you wait. I'm mainly talking about sports, riding dirt bikes or, or, or playing ball. In the off season, don't just sit on the couch and lay in the air conditioning and do nothing. Get better while you wait. Run. Exercise. Get better while you wait. When ball season rolls around, you're going to be ready. You're not going to be out there holding your side because you can't breathe and it's hurting so bad. That's what I used to do. Well, I'm not working out and running in the off season. Are you crazy? We're going fishing. But you need to get better while you wait. The same thing applies to being a Christian in the Word of God. Life's good right now. We'll keep living. The opportunity for life to get bad will present itself. Get better while you wait. Get rooted and grounded in the Word. You can't wait until the doctor gives you a diagnosis that says you're going to die or your wife's going to die or your husband's going to die or your son has this disease or whatever it is and he's in the hospital and they say he's only got a, maybe a week to live. Now we're going to get rooted in the Word. We should have been... We should have been in this, that seed should have been growing all this time. And now, see, now you're needing this harvest. But you can't plant it tonight, today, and have a harvest tomorrow. That's why it's important to get better while you wait. Not that we're sitting around waiting on something bad to happen. Don't, don't. I'm not sitting around every day waiting, thinking, oh, something bad's coming around the corner. I don't even think like that. I think if something does come bad around the corner, I'm going to kick it in the head. I'm not scared of something bad happening because I know the Word of God and I know who I am. I know what's been given to me. I know what belongs to me. I have power and I have authority. How did I learn it? The Word. And I'm going to stand on the Word. And the name of Jesus is a name that's above every other name. I'm not concerned with it. If I do get a bad report, it's not going to be crunch time. Study for a test. You may study the night before. Study, 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 study and try to cram all this in there and then go the next day and you might pass the test, but you won't retain that knowledge. 
take the same test two or three days later, a week later. You'll fail it. That's the same thing with the Word. Rooted and grounded. Rooted and grounded. No roots. No depth. You've got to get some depth. Praise the Lord. Now these are the ones, these are the seeds sung among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the Word, but then the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desires for other things enter in, choke out the Word, and it become unfruitful. Well, if you took a, a pot and you put some planting soil, topsoil, whatever, you know, that stuff you buy at Walmart in the bag, and you put it in there and you plant the flowers. And you planted your daisies in there, whatever it is. I don't know that much about flowers. But then you decided to plant you some honeysuckles in there and some kudzu, and we might as well just plant some privet, put it in there, and some thorns. And you, that soil only has so much nutrients, and now it's going a bunch of different ways. Do you see how the enemy gets you too busy for the Word? The enemy wants to get you too busy at work for the Word. He wants to get you too busy with the cares of this world and trying to do all these things. Too busy for the Word. You can get too busy for your wife. You can get too busy for your husband. You can get too busy for your kid. And he said, what's that got to do with anything? It's got a lot. Because how you, you say, I love Jesus, but do you love her? Because when you love her, that is actually loving Jesus. When you love Him, that's actually loving Jesus. When you love them, that's loving Jesus. How do you show your love for Christ? Love them, love Him. I'm too busy for them. I'm too busy for the Word. I'm too busy for church. That's, that's, a, that's a, a, a plan of the enemy to get you too busy. Too many cares. Philippians, the fourth chapter, and the sixth verse, it says to be careful for nothing. And uh, King James, other translation, says to be anxious for nothing. But I like when it says be careful for nothing. And people say, see you later, be careful. I'll go, careful for nothing. I'm not going to be careful. Which they think I mean I'm going to go out and live recklessly and drive crazy, right? So I have another buddy. His name's Brian. His name's Brian Burdett. I'm going to get him to come here and preach one day. And he's a, a pastor down there at the Fork and Newfound and, and Fieldstown Road. And his son's Austin. And um, one time we were going to, I think it was this last turkey season, we were going to go hunting together. And I got off in a wild goose chase with that boy. But anyway, um, I don't even know whose land we ended up on, to tell you the truth, but. Um, did I say that? I didn't mean to say that. But anyway, his dad called. And he said, y'all be careful. And he said, dad said to be careful. And I said, tell him the Bible says to be careful for nothing. And his dad said, that's kind of a loose translation, isn't it? Well, it's a joke. Be careful for nothing. But the word careful for nothing, obviously I didn't mean we're just going to run through the woods crazy shooting our guns. <clears throat> but uh, careful means not to be full of care. Too much care for other things. The riches of the world, deceitfulness of the riches, cares for worldly things. Satan wants to get you caught up. It's, an attack. it's a plan, a plot uh, of the enemy to get you caught up and get you full of care. He wants to divide your time. You know, I did my five-minute devotion. I used to wait for 12 hours. You woke up at 6, went to bed at 
9 to you was awake for 15 hours, 15, 16 hours, and you, five minutes out of 16 hours, you did a five-minute devotion. So you gave the Lord five minutes out of 16 hours. Well, I'd say we're a little too busy. A little too busy. I get up in the morning. I, I'm not saying I do. A person gets up in the morning. They do their five-minute devotion, shut it, get ready to go to work, got the radio on, a secular channel, or listen to whatever, get to work, work all day, around a bunch of, uh, you know how it is on the job site, and you're around all this, and then come home and you got ball practice or you got, um, you know, something going on with the kids and doing homework, supper, you go to bed, and out of all that whole day, you gave the Lord a whole whopping five minutes. Well, I can go ahead and tell you, if you did the math and divided up all those plants we put in that pot, and you only gave that tulip that much attention, that much nutrients out of that soil, I can tell you what's going to happen. These other wild ones, the privet and the thorns, and all they're going to grow up and overtake that thing. Say, so, well, I've got to meditate day and night. I mean, I just, I mean, I've got to go to work. That's not what that means. The scripture says to meditate day and night. That doesn't mean you just stay at home and you're just in your closet and you block out the whole world and you ignore everybody and you don't go to work and your bills are miraculously paid. No. What you think about is what you meditate on. You think about, unless you're asleep, you're thinking about something. You're thinking about something right now. You're thinking about something when you woke up. You wake up in the middle of the night, you go to the restroom, you're thinking about something. As soon as I wake up and I round my bed, the first thing I'm thinking is, go wide. Because I've hit my toe on the corner of that bed a bunch of times and, and drawn blood. I think go wide, <laughs> go wide. You know, it's dark in there. Go wide. I'm thinking something. Well, it's what you're thinking on during the day. What you're thinking on during the day. Somebody can come up to you and say something. You can think, man, if he only knew Jesus, he, he, he wouldn't talk like that. Mm, sad. If he, if he only knew Jesus. Or somebody can say, looks like we're all going to lose our jobs. You can think on the word. My God's going to provide all my needs according to His riches and glory. Amen. Meditating on the Word. Start it and finish it. See, He wants to divide your time. And me and Patrick were just talking Friday about someone who, they went over here and they started this. And they were going good. And then they quit. And then they went over here and they started this. And then before they, they were over here and they were doing this, and before the day, they had already started three things. They ain't finished anything. Their time was divided. Satan wants to divide your time. He wants to steal your time. Amen. Now, um, in the 20th verse, last, last one there. Said, but these are the ones sown on good ground. And that's what we want to have is good ground, good soil. Those who hear the word, you accept the word. In other words, we receive that word. I see it, I hear it, I receive it. And now you're going to bear some fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, <clears throat> some 100-fold. Um, once again, we need a soul sample. That's something we say if somebody falls down and just plows the ground, that whether they're running or they crash, on a, a dirt bike race or something like that, and they fall down, they just plow the ground up with their face, we say, he took a soil sample. 
Oh, you do need a soul sample. And the soul being in your heart and just investigate your soul is what we all need. In the fourth chapter of Hebrews, I quoted this earlier, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, is the center of thoughts and intents of the heart. Inside of a watermelon, there's seed. That seed's alive. You can't see it in the watermelon, but it is in there and it is alive. And I was talking about you can't plant them in the wrong time of year. Used to where I lived, I'd throw the watermelons out into this ditch, and this ditch had this silty dirt that would run off in there, and it actually made some good dirt if you wanted to plant a garden. I'd throw those watermelons out there, and about the end of summer, watermelon vines are growing out of that ditch. But I didn't get any watermelons because wintertime came and they died. It was, it was too, too little too late. Those watermelons should have been planted in the springtime. But the seed, whether you see the seeds or not, they're alive. And we talk about being hearers and doers of the word. In James it says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Nothing else will save your soul but the word of God. And then it goes on to says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, but deceiving yourself. So if you hear this word and, you're, and you hear it, but you don't do it, it says you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. You're coming to church week after week, year after year. 20, 30 years goes by and you're hearing the Word every week, but you don't go out and do what you heard. It says, the Word of God says, you're deceiving your own selves. You're certainly not deceiving God. You can't trick Him. You might fool some other people around you, but at the end of the day, you're just deceiving yourself. Faith without works is dead. You have to put this Word into action. Stand on the Word. Be a hearer and a doer. An acorn... Um, has the ability bec to become a big giant oak tree. Let's just say a wide oak. A wide oak acorn has the ability to become a big, huge, wide oak tree that's going to rain acorns out to feed uh, animals or to get into the ground and become more wide oaks. The ability is all, everything is inside that acorn. But that acorn has to be put into a situation to become an oak tree. The Word of God has the ability. Whatever you need, it's in there. But that Word's going to have to be put into a situation to flourish. Um, if the soil isn't consistent with the seed that it receives, then it will never become a tree. For this morning, my message is we need a soil sample. Take a soil sample. The seed itself is not the full-grown expression but let me tell you, the seed has all the ingredients in it. The seed alone is not the full-grown expression, but that seed has all the ingredients in it to become the full-grown expression. It's just got to be put into the correct soil. You hear me? Talking about walking out to the woods, um, spending time in the woods, some things I've seen. We use this expression sometimes. We say, I'm between a rock and a hard place. Has anybody ever said that? I've said it. Yeah, between a rock and a hard place. Well, that's not a good place to be. And maybe you're in a, between a rock and a hard place right now in your marriage. Maybe you're between a rock and a hard place in your finances with some sickness 
I mean, the list goes on and on how you can apply a rock and a hard place. I'm between a rock and a hard place. So I'm going to tell you this. I was out yesterday, and there was rocks everywhere. And one thing I noticed, and maybe you haven't been out in the woods a lot, but you've probably seen this. You've seen a driveway that had been concreted years ago, and you're driving down it in your car, and it's broken, and it's humped up in places because a tree was growing beside that driveway. And those roots came under that driveway and broke that concrete up. Well, let me tell you, I saw, I've seen this multiple times, but you take a big rock with a crack in it, and if one of those seeds finds its way down through that crack and gets, gets below the rock and gets into that dirt and starts to germinate, starts to grow, a tree will grow up. And you know what a tree will do when it grows up in that rock? It'll break it. A tree will break the rock, it'll break the boulder, it'll break your driveway. And what I'm telling you this morning is you're between the rock and the hard place. Let me tell you what's going to break it. The seed getting in the dirt. You're going to have to put it in there and leave it in there. Let it grow. I know we like the microwaves, but this is more like a crock pot. And I can tell you, if your wife cooks your roast in the crock pot with some potatoes and carrots, it's going to take it a lot better than she cooks it in the microwave. The best roast I've ever had in my entire life, my wife cooked me before we got married. She has never cooked one that good ever since. True story. I've accused her of hiring somebody to cook it. I accused her of getting her aunt or her grandma to cook it. I have. I've said, you didn't cook that. Now, she's cooked some good ones. I'm telling you, that was the icing on the cake. When she brought me that, crock, when she brought me that roast in that crock pot, I was like, we're definitely getting married. <laughs> this is good. Y'all get something out of this? Good. See, we're wise when we're obtaining this knowledge and understanding. You got to know this. When you leave today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, things happen. You need to be wise enough. We've understood the word. We've read the word. Satan's trying to steal my seed. I'm not going to let him. Uh-uh. I'm going to stand on this word. I'm not going to be moved. Like a tree planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. We used to sing that song. I remember it from a kid. It's good. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's awfully quiet. Quiet's not always a bad thing, it's a good thing. I call it the sound of silence. You get real quiet, that's why God says, be still. Don't let the cares of the world distract you. Be still. Know that I'm God. He's talking to you. Cut the radio off. Cut the TV off. Get quiet. Hear God. Cut the world off. You don't think he tries to distract me? Oh, man. Just this week alone, I don't know why, but I was trying to get focused on the Word and study and pray and hear from the Lord. And let me tell you, it was, it was hard to do. Every time I'd open up the Bible, read the scripture, somebody would text, somebody would email, somebody would call, something would happen. And so my neck muscles started getting tight and tense. 
and, and even developed into a headache. And I, I realized it's the cares of the world. Not that I'm concerned with worldly things, but worldly things were trying to concern themselves with me. So what I'm saying is I, I, I'm a man just like you guys. I go to work and I have children and bills and, and all the, I experience the same things as you do. I'm there with you. But you can choose to stand on the word. Amen. Well, let's pray. And don't forget, two weeks, baptism service. Father, we thank you for your word. We come before you this morning. Our hearts ready to receive your word. And not just to be hearers of your word, but to be hearers and doers. We're not going to be foolish and build our houses on the sand, but we're going to build our houses on the rock, which is your word, the word of God. And we know that when your word goes forth, it never returns void, but always accomplishes the thing that it was sent forth to do. We know that your word has already been forever settled in heaven, despite what people may say or bad experiences. Your word is settled. Your word never changes. And that's the word that we put our trust in, we put our faith in, we build our lives in, and that's the word that's going to send us out of here today better than we came in. And we give you the glory and all the honor. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Well, don't forget Wednesday night service at 6.30.